The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Well, hello once again, Disability Law Show. It is great to have you with us for the hour. We are going to educate you indeed all about disability law, dealing with that insurance company. Good times. Maybe you've been denied. Maybe you've been cut off. Maybe asked to appeal. Had to go to a medical examination. There's all kinds of ways that they're going to stress you out. But that's okay. The cure is right here with Savan Tamarkin, co-founding partner, Sam Fear Tamarkin, LLP. Darren in the West Coast is covering off, uh, off as well. I know, Darren, you want to get to a bunch of emails in just a bit. We will do that. You can reach out to these guys across the country outside of Quebec. You are taken care of. Here is the number, 1-855-821-5900. Help at disabilityrights.ca. And for quick, easy-to-read, non-legal notations, memos on LTD, it'll cover a bunch of topics, what you're thinking about, probably what we cover on this show every week, ltdfaq.ca. Real simple. Okay, Savannah, want to get into this. I know the emails are piling up, but you have something to, uh, to kick us off and warm us up with, pal. Shoot, what do you got? I do, and we're very lucky, obviously, to have here Darren uh, with us, and <clears throat> generally, Martin is here, uh, and he's not here today because he's on a mediation. So, mm. you know, I'm saying this because uh, when we talk about these kinds of cases, long-term disability, you know, we all you, we always say that the purpose of these cases, of us helping and stepping in to help individuals who've been denied or cut off long-term disability is to try and get a resolution for these individuals. It's not to go to court. It's not to, you know, uh, just prolong a very unpleasant process. It's to help people get the benefits they are owed from insurance companies. And we do that. One of the ways we do that is we negotiate with the insurance company, but we negotiate from a position of strength. Once we step in to a case, once we start representing someone because they've been denied or, or cut off benefits, we take over all communications with the insurance company. We start communicating with the doctors to get all the reports that we need. And eventually what generally happens, and Darren, I think you're going to a mediation on one of your cases next week as well, uh, is that we are going to try and get the insurance company to the table by explaining to the insurance company that they either pay our clients now or they're going to pay later. But either way, they're going to pay. The only thing that changes is how long it's going to take and how much money they, the insurance company, is going to spend on their defense lawyers avoiding the inevitable, which is paying our client. So I just wanted to mention that because our listeners are obviously used to having Martin here with us. Uh, and Martin is out there today actually uh, fighting hard for his client. And I'm sure he's going to be able to resolve it in a very, very good way. And his client's going to be very happy. John, I wanted to uh, uh, start by uh, talking about an email that I literally received before we started this show today. And it comes from Leslie. Uh, and Leslie wrote to me directly and, and said, I got approved for CPPD, which is CPP disability, about a year ago. But I didn't know that I was supposed to tell my LTD insurance company. Now I am worried that they would accuse me for lying and then cut off my benefits if I told them. What should I do? If I don't tell them, will they be able to find out? So excellent questions. First of all, um, under most, if not all, long-term disability policies, there are provisions, there is a provision in policies out there that stipulate that if you receive CPP disability, the insurance company is entitled to a credit for that. And this is what Leslie is alluding to here. The concern obviously is that she's been getting CPP disability unbeknownst to the insurance company, which means that she's been getting CPP disability payments 
plus whatever she's getting from her insurance company for long-term disability. So one is stacked upon the other. That's not the way it works. Insurance companies are entitled, again, this is contractual, assuming there is a provision in the contract that stipulates this, they're entitled to a credit for any CPP disability payments you receive. So if you get $3,000 a month from LTD, and then you get approved for CPP disability for 1000 bucks, you're not getting one plus three, you're still getting three, except that your insurance company now pays you 1000 less, because you're getting that 1000 from your insurance company. So the question here from Leslie is, should she tell the insurance company what are going to be the consequences, and will they find out if she doesn't? Let's start off from the end. Do not lie to the insurance company. Absolutely do not lie. First of all, they're going to find out. That's number one. Number two, all they're going to do, I mean, I'm saying this in terms of the experience I have, all they're going to do, I think, uh, and, and in my experience, is that they're going to tell you, look, we should have gotten a credit for this, so therefore we there is an overpayment. We've been paying you uh, whatever you've been receiving in CPP disability and have been pocketing, we've been paying you that extra. We are entitled to that amount of money. And so what may happen is they may tell you that they're going to now, going forward for the next, let's say, year or so, pay you less to account for the fact that they're entitled to that overpayment. So they're not going to cut you off LTD. What they're going to do is they're going to adjust the payments in such a way as to take into account not only what you're getting now from CPP disability, but that overpayment over a year. Now, that can be very difficult, John, if you can imagine, right? I mean, Leslie is used to a certain money amount of money coming in. What's going to happen if the insurance company starts deducting not only CPP disability that she's currently getting, but also for the amounts that she's been rece receiving for the last year? It's a lot of money. But remember, she's still getting CPP disability. She's not getting deducted twice, right? She's getting deducted essentially once for the overpayment and all the other CPP disability she's going to continue receiving. But there's no, no way around this. She must tell them. If she doesn't tell them, they find out later, all that's going to happen is that retroactive amount, that overpayment will get larger and larger. And I've had people, unfortunately, contact me when the insurance company has found out five years later, and now the person has been told, guess what? You owe us $50,000 or whatever the amount was. I mean, that's a shock to the system. So the best way about this is to be upfront with the insurance company, tell them I didn't know that I had to inform you, uh, and can we work out a repayment plan? And perhaps we can work out some kind of a plan. And by the way, insurance companies are often amenable to that. Maybe work out a plan that is not as uh, difficult you know, for her to, to absorb in terms of suddenly not getting any money coming in from the LTD insurer. So, so that's what I would say here that... This is an excellent question. Clearly, she's concerned about this, and she should be because you know she doesn't want to end up in a situation where the insurance company accuses her of lying. I don't think they will. I think that she, especially if she come out, if she comes out ahead of this and she tells them, "Look, I, I just learned that I'm supposed to be telling you this, or you're supposed to know about this. You're supposed to get a credit for this." Uh, so, so really important to let the insurance company know, and of course, make sure that if you have any other questions, follow-up questions, you get in touch with me, with Darren, a member of our team. We will guide you through this. And that's the message to all our listeners, John. Mm -hmm. We're not just doing this show once a week and on television just to put this information out there and that's it. We tell people all the time, contact us if you have a question. Go to mydisabilityquestions.com. Post your question if you don't want to contact us directly. And we'll post back an answer. It's all free. Uh, it's all confidential. 
uh, and when I get emails, by the way, uh, if a person doesn't want me to read the email on air or they want me to change the name, 100% I will do that. Totally. It's just that these kinds of emails are really important because we get to educate the public. I bet you that the same question Leslie asked me here, there's probably a 100 other people across the country that have the exact same question at this point in time. Again, guys, reaching out, as Savannah mentioned, mydisabilityquestions.com is one avenue. Email help at disability rights is another. And yet another, the phone number, which is toll-free, and uh, no complication there, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. All right, Vicky, thank you so much for standing by. First email of the show. Let's get uh, let's get into it, fellas. Vicky says, "Hello, I am uh, I'm in the LTD appeal application process as of this week. I'm off for mental health reasons: uh, burnout, fatigue, lack of focus, depression, stress, anxiety. I'm being denied by my long-term disability insurer because they say I have suffered from anxiety in the past after being a caregiver for my late sister." They are referring to the 24-month clause, etc. My psychologist and family doctor support me. Long story short, I'm completely getting the runaround. Uh, am I wasting my time with an appeal? By the way, I'm not an individual who's needing to be off for the extended period of time. My claim, if approved, would have started in September. Since my claim application, I have also lost my father. I'm told that a PTSD diagnosis is the only thing which differs. They have offered to waive LTD benefit fees. Whatever that means. <clears throat> so Vicky's Vicky's question is is great, and there's a lot to unpack here. Um, she she's referring first, I mean, to this 24 month clause, and and this is a theme that Savan touched on earlier, and I think that gets touched on in almost every show that that Savan and Martin have, and that and that Martin and I have, and Martin and and uh, Savan have. Um, is is this always goes back to the contract? The the LTD insurance and and short term disability insurance is provided. Uh, through a contract of insurance with the insurance company. The wording of that contract is very important. It governs your benefits. It, it tells you what you are to expect from the insurance company. It tells the insurance company what they can expect uh, you to do for them as well, such as go to the doctor, um, you know, provide medical information. Here, Vicky seems to be talking about uh, a pre-existing condition clause, and and it's uh, it's a bit of a it's a very tricky concept, and we can probably do an entire show on pre-existing conditions. It's not as straightforward as it seems. Uh, a pre-existing condition is a contractual term. It doesn't just mean you've suffered from something in the past. It's not that straightforward. In terms of uh, long-term disability and short-term disability, there are sometimes exclusions if you have suffered from a certain condition within a certain window. And so I always tell people, when you have a clause like this, it is it is tricky. Uh, and even us, it takes us a little bit to read through it, and we have to look at the policy. We have to understand your medicals. It's not a straightforward matter. Your your adjuster may just be denying you because of the wording. They're saying, oh, you've suffered from this before. Contact us. It is a very, very straightforward, or not a very straightforward matter, especially here we have Vicky who not only suffered from burnout, fatigue, depression, perhaps in the past, but now she has... Uh, a post-traumatic stress disorder diagnosis, which is different, um, and then and that's arisen from uh, the recent loss of her father. So you know, there, there's a real question here as to whether or not she's disabled now because of a pre-existing condition or something she suffered from in the past, or if this is a completely new disability. Um, and so, Vicky, this is a it's a great question. You're in a really tough spot. Um, you know, for the appeal, what I'll say is you're going back to the same person, the same entity to make it make a decision again to revisit their decision um and you're totally within your rights to do that but in my experience it's it's your your you know you're you're knocking at a closed door already um so contact us and we're more than more than welcome i'm more than happy to, to speak with you 
Darren, thank you so much. We'll take that short break and get right back into your, more of your emails. It may appear later in the show or a future show as well, but don't hesitate to send along. Help at disabilityrights.ca and that number anytime, one 855 821 More disability law shows on the way. Coming right back. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Hey, hey, back. Disability Law Show. So good you, uh, you hung in with us uh, for the show. Savannah's here. Darren is here. Reach out any time to contact the fellas and their team, too. It's one 821 5900 help at disabilityrights.ca. Uh, Savannah, I want to get into another email shortly, but you had uh, a few comments on what uh, Darren was talking about with Vicky as far as uh, her matter, yeah? That's right. I thought that Darren did a great job outlining the issues that Vicky had uh, mentioned. And, you know, again, it comes back to insurance companies denying long-term disability claims for every reason they can. And Darren's absolutely right. Uh, Pre-existing conditions are one of the reasons insurance companies deny claims. And sometimes they're right and sometimes they're not. Sometimes there are different disabling conditions at different points in time. And it's really, really key and important for a lawyer to take a look at this is this is what we do right i mean vicky has emailed us but i would love to see the medical documentation that she has that she submitted to the insurance company upon which the insurance company denied the claim i would love to see the denial letter itself exactly what they are referring to because when they refer to a pre-existing condition they generally then quote from the medical record so i want to see what they're quoting i want to understand what is the the logic there and she mentions here she says am i wasting time with an appeal Again, Darren is completely right about this. We hammer this all the time. I don't like appeals. When an insurance company denies your claim, and by the way, that applies also to a uh, life insurance claim. It applies to a car insurance claim. It applies to a, a home insurance claim. When they're saying you can appeal this, what they're effectively saying is you can re-ask us if we will change your mind. Now, they're saying you can submit further documentation, but in this case with Vicky, Listen, she says her psychologist and her family doctor both support her being off work because of her condition. She has PTSD. She has a whole bunch of other mental health issues. And what I find, unfortunately, is that insurance companies often don't give mental health and mental health illnesses the attention that they deserve. Our courts, judges across Canada have said unequivocally that psychological issues, illnesses, mental health, those are legitimate reasons to be on disability, specifically long-term disability. Insurance companies can simply ignore those conditions. In fact, I would argue that many people with certain conditions like Vicky is describing, let's say PTSD, depression, stress, anxiety, in many ways are even more disabled than someone that has a physical injury like a broken bone or a bad back. Because when you have a depression, for example, you can't get out of bed you can't do anything. You're basically unable to perform the tasks of your employment or any employment for that matter. Whereas if you have a bad back, maybe, you know, with some kind of accommodation, you can do your job, right? So it's really important to understand that the fact that you are suffering from a mental health issue, Vicky, and many other people out there as well, if you are unable to work because of that condition, you're entitled to a long-term disability. And then we can take a look at the pre-existing argument that the insurance company is throwing out there. But do not appeal these decisions. Certainly do not appeal these decisions without speaking with us first. John, I have said this time and time again. I'm never going to say that appeals never work. Just like I'm never going to say that playing the lottery is never going to result in a win. Of course it does. 
occasionally we hear of somebody that wins $2 billion. I think that happened recently. Yeah. But how many people do you know that win the lottery big time? To me, that is akin to an appeal because I rarely see anyone, anyone successful with an appeal. You know where I see this, by the way? It happened actually recently. I'll, I'll give you an example of what happened recently, actually. Somebody from our office in Ontario, actually, um, the individual was denied uh, twice by the insurance company, their long-term disability benefits. That person then appealed for a third time, but being cognizant that they had already been denied previously, decided to contact us. So while that uh, third appeal was on its way, one of our lawyers sent a letter to the insurance company. You know what the response was? Miraculously, they decided to approve the appeal. <laughs> now, do you think they approved the appeal because the person asked for a third time if they will approve them or because they suddenly got a letter from a lawyer at our office? That's right. Right? I mean, you know, you don't have to be a brain surgeon here to put two and two together. These insurance companies understand only one thing, which is strength, which is that if you will stand up for your rights, or at least let us stand up for your rights, they will then pay you what you are owed. Now, by the same token, if you come to us and we review everything and we tell you, listen, we think the insurance company is correct, it does happen, then that's our opinion, then we can't help. But more often than not, when somebody is unable to work, when their doctors are saying, we agree, you cannot work, more often than not, we can help people get the benefits that they are owed by these insurance companies just by knowing where the levers of, of you know, the pressure levers are with the insurance company, knowing when, when to push, where to push, what to do, what to say to the insurance company to force them to the table. And that's what people need to understand is that when you get denied long-term disability, that's not the end of the road. Uh, the problem is that if you do these appeals, you're taking detour upon detour upon detour. Eventually, you're going to come to us as well. The question is how much time is wasted in between. Which is why we tell you never hesitate to make that phone call and get some clarity. Don't go down the uh, road of misinformation, right? It's one uh, 821 5900 help at disabilityrights.ca. Bonnie is our next email up guy. Says, uh, hi, my insurance company just declined my long-term disability, indicating pre-existing conditions. I have some conditions. Uh, one new diagnosis this year is IBS and on new meds. They claim my IBS is linked to my other bowel conditions I have been on for years and have medication. I have requested policy provisions to be highlighted in detailed explanation for his decision. Please help. I'm in pain throughout my body. Lost a lot of weight, stress. I was previously diagnosed with fibromyalgia and was on Nor uh, Norgesic. Uh, I told my current doctor what triggered it. I cannot find my old doctor who diagnosed me back in 91. As well, I have been off work since May on starvation wages. Now, no income since September. That is a rough situation Bonnie's in, guys. That's crazy. That's absolutely yeah. crazy. But you know, John, again, uh, and I, I want Darren's input on this as well, but it seems like we're having uh, you know, a slew of these pre-existing condition denials. Again, insurance companies will deny you for any reason whatsoever. And he's talking about a new diagnosis this year, IBS. And by the way, IBS is a very serious condition, or it can be a very serious condition. I've had clients that had IBS. And insurance companies simply don't understand what, you know, what, what, what IBS is or the impact that it may have for people. Even now when we are in, in many instances in a hybrid work environment or a remote work environment, they seem to think that, well, people have a washroom nearby and, you know, they have the comforts of home and they can do whatever they want, you know, and they should be able to work. Well, no, not, first of all, not every employer allows people to work remotely, number one. Number two, even if you can, it doesn't mean that all the effects of IBS are not going to disable you in addition to IBS itself. 
And, and you know what? What I really like here about what Bonnie did is she said she's requested the policy from the insurance company. She asked for the provisions that the insurance company is relying on to be highlighted and de- and a detailed explanation for their decision. I love that. I love that because they're challenging the insurance company. Remember, when you're dealing with long-term disability or short-term disability, the relationship between you and the insurance company is contractual. It's based on a contract. It's not about what the insurance company wants or what you want. It's based on what the policy says. The policy of insurance is the contract that governs you and the insurance company. It defines the obligations you each have, and it defines the entitlements that you each have. The insurance company, if it goes outside of those obligations and entitlements, then it can be brought back in. In other words, it cannot do that. It's not above the law. Same thing with you. But one of the first things I tell people is tell the insurance company if they are denying you or if they're giving you or if they're telling you to do something you don't want to do and and you're questioning that, tell them, show me my policy and show me where in the policy it says that you are entitled to do that or show me where it says in the policy that I must do what you say that I must do. And the insurance company will sometimes send you that policy via email. They'll tell you what the provision is. You read the provision, and it doesn't say what the insurance company is saying, what the adjuster is saying. Well, listen, this adjuster is not that much more educated than you are for the most part. Okay, They're not dumb. Okay, They're not stupid. But I've seen many cases where they throw out clauses and provisions from policies to claimants and say, this is what the policy says, and this is what the provision says. And the person says, well, no, that's not what it says, or at least I can interpret that differently than what you're saying. And the adjuster says, well, too bad, so sad. That's what the policy says. That's what the provision says. And you say, no, the provision doesn't say that. And what happens is the adjuster keeps saying, this is so, this is so, this is so. And you think at some point, well, maybe I'm just misreading it. Maybe I'm not in the industry. I don't understand. That's not the way it works. It's not. If you misunderstand or, or you understand that provision differently than the adjuster, then unless the the provision really does say what the adjuster says, you don't have to do it. You simply don't. Or if there are multiple interpretations of that same provision, well, guess what? You don't have to do it. And if you have any questions, you can come to us and we can tell you if you have to do it or not or if the insurance company is entitled to do what they said that they're entitled to do. So my point is, this is all very technical, obviously, but I want to put it out there that you are entitled to challenge your adjuster and your insurance company if you don't think that what they're doing or saying is right. I've spoken enough. Uh, Darren, I'm, I'm sure you've dealt with this before. Again, we've talked about the pre-existing, but I'm sure you've seen this before, right? I mean, with these denials, with the way insurance companies deal with individuals, telling them to do certain things, or telling them that the insurance policy says one thing and releases something else. Maybe you can enlighten us on some of your uh, experiences. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is this is what I see in almost all the cases that, that come across my desk on this basis. I mean, again, you, you hit the nail on the head with what, what Bonnie's done here, which is just amazing, which is requesting the policy, requesting the provisions to be highlighted, a detailed explanation. I mean, that's all great stuff is is because she understands that this is a, a contractual relationship. There's something in there that the adjuster is preferring to, and you need to understand what that is because this is ultimately determined by the wording of the, the policy. Um, when we look at things like the pre-existing conditions, I've had ones come in where, you know, that, that, that simple word, which is typically defined in the policy, it doesn't just mean something like I've said this before, and I've said this to, to a lot of clients. It doesn't just mean you've suffered from something in the past. Um, you know, because it's not that straightforward. It's typically pre-existing condition has a specific meaning within the, each policy. And you've got to look at that and you've got to determine what that means for you. 
Um, you know, here it looks like Bonnie's, you know, suffered from okay, fibromyalgia in the past, but the IBS seems to be a new diagnosis, you know, and, and if she was working in the past with the fibromyalgia, the IBS may be the, the disabling condition. Um, you know, and like you said, I've, I've had family members who have suffered from IBS. It's not as simple as having a washroom nearby, just like you said, you know, but a lot of adjusters, a lot of people who aren't familiar with the medicals um, that are <clears throat> that are related to IBS may just think, oh, it's a washroom disorder. If you've got a, a you know, a toilet nearby, you're, you're OK. Um, you know, no, it's not that simple. There are a lot of, you know, full body kind of consequences to stuff like this, which can cause you to not be able to work. You know, for Bonnie, she's lost a lot of weight. There's stress coming with that. There's obviously, um, you know, mental conditions that, that come with that, seeing your body change, the difficulty, the pain day in and day out, the chronic pain day in and day out. Um, you know, she's handled this in a, in a great, great way. I think she's done the, she's done all the right steps so far. The next one is, is what she's done now is contacting us saying, listen, I've, I've, talk to my adjuster. I'm not getting the stuff that I need. I'm not getting the responses I think I need. Um, help me, which is what I tell everyone to do. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's great. That's great, Bonnie. We can't wait to connect with you. Bonnie, appreciate that, uh, that email. Hope it gave you a little bit of clarity, but you'll get a lot more with that phone call, which I know you're, you're going to make uh, on your own pace for sure. one 821 5,900 is how you reach out to Savan and Darren anytime. And you know, the email, so I'm going to give you this one as well. My disability can uh, type any other questions in there and get an answer rather quickly as well. We got lots more to go. We got more emails coming through. So let's get into the short break and come back from it guys. So we can, uh, we can keep it rolling right here on the disability law show. We're coming right back. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified guests on the program are employees of, or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Yeah, that's right. Disability Law Show. You're listening to it. We're loving it. So uh, stay tuned and you can contribute anytime as well, possibly through an email. Might make it on a later show. Maybe. You never know. Help at disabilityrights.ca is that email address or the phone number to get a hold of Darren and Savan. Always not working alone. They got great teams behind them ready to, uh, to assist you as well. That is one eight five five eight two one. 5,900. Next up, guys, will be Nancy. Let's get into uh, to Nancy's email. It says, I watch the show weekly. By the way, we're on TV as well. If you go to disabilityrights.ca, the uh, Knowledge Center, drop-down menu, media, you'll find how to reach us uh, on TV as well. Anyway, she says, I watched your weekly show, and it's been really helpful. My question is this. I'm on LTD for severe AFib and severe osteoarthritis in both knees. My mother passed away in June, and I'm her executor of the estate. I considered a trust company, but their fees were egregious. Uh, the assets are in different city and moreover has two USA properties. My insurance contact told me I cannot be in a different city or out of country as I am on knee replacement waiting list. The properties are vacant both for well over a year and I must pay fees and change title insurance and other issues to the estate of my late mother. The insurance company says I cannot travel. This is my layman opinion. Is uh, this, uh, in my layman opinion, is completely unreasonable? I have a state administration duties and responsibilities to beneficiaries. To say I can't even go to another city three hours away is confounding. Any advice as to what I can do? I must go to the U.S. very soon to deal with a condo that has some issues. Man. Wow. 
Yeah, this is uh, so. <laughs> we do get questions quite often about can I travel while I'm an LTD? So I'll address this in a second. But just so our listeners understand, Nancy is uh, has severe AFib and severe osteoarthritis in both her knees. And AFib uh, is uh, atrial fibrillation, which is essentially a very common type of treated heart arrhythmia, right? Like when the when the heart beats too slowly or too fast. So it is very dangerous. Uh, so she has severe condition that disable her. Clearly, though, she's able to uh, uh, conduct whatever she needs to conduct as the executor of the estate of her mother's estate. The issue here is what she's told by the insurance adjuster versus what is in the contract. And when somebody contacts us, and this happens a lot, Darren has dealt with it, Martin has dealt with it, I have dealt with it, everyone in our team has dealt with this. People say, I'm on LTD, but can I travel for various reasons? Maybe it's for treatments you know, in a different country. Maybe it's for vacation. Maybe it's because someone died that's close to me and I have to go to the funeral. And what we say is, look, we have to look at the contract. We have to look at the policy. Does your policy contain a provision that limits where you can be geographically? Many provisions, many policies contain provisions that limit you uh, and, and, and say that you must remain in the country in order to receive LTD. It doesn't mean that if you leave, you get cut off LTD, but you may not receive LTD for the period of time that you are outside the country. I have never, however, ever seen a provision that says that you must stay within the same city or the same town. That makes zero sense to me. And in Nancy's words here, to me, seems completely unreasonable. But I come back to, again, what I said before, which is reasonable or unreasonable, everything starts and ends with the policy. That's the contract that governs the relationship between you and the insurance company. So what I would do, Nancy, in this case, is I would ask your insurance contact, I presume it's the uh, adjuster, to show you the policy that governs your LTD uh, situation, right? Your, 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 your LTD policy and to highlight or to draw your attention to the provision that limits your geographical location. It's possible that there's something there about being out of the country. I, I, I am almost certain though you're going to see nothing about being outside the city. Now, what the adjuster here though is saying is that well, you're on a waiting list for for a trans not not transplant here, right? But for for knee surgery. Sorry, uh, and, and and you know the insurance company. Sorry, the knee replacement. That's what they're saying. Right. And, and so I think what the adjuster is trying to allude to is that if you're on that waiting list and you're called up and you're not there, and by virtue of that you remain disabled because you can't get that knee replacement surgery, then to me that projected the insurance company may take the position that you have not undergone reasonable treatments which you have an obligation to do both in common law as and, and usually under the contract uh, that we're talking about, the, the, the policy, the policy. My argument here obviously would be that, uh, you know, so long as you are within the geographical location that is uh, outlined by the policy, meaning let's say you're within the country, you don't exit the country, to me, it seems unreasonable to say that just because you're outside of your city that you don't qualify for LTD. I think the insurance company would lose on that argument. Uh, so I do think that the next step for you, Nancy, is to ask the adjuster, not to argue with the adjuster, but to ask the adjuster to show you the policy and to draw your attention to the provisions that limit your geographical location. And then once you have that, contact us. We can review it with you and actually talk to you about this. But just you know, understand that when the insurance company tells you, you can't go here, you can't go there, even if the insurance contract doesn't limit you geographically, I can see a situation where the insurance company 
uh, incorrectly and unlawfully says, well, you know, you did something we told you not to do, therefore we're going to cut you off. Be prepared for that, even though that would be an unlawful thing. And again, we can help with that. We can force the insurance company to pay you what you owed. But just be aware that if you're doing something the insurance company is telling you explicitly not to do, even if they have no right to do so, if you do it, they may end up cutting you off benefits. And again, we can help you. But we'd rather be in a position where we don't have to help you that, the, you know, your benefits are not cut off. But if the purpose of your question is just to understand your rights, well, your rights are to see where it says in the policy that you cannot go to a different city or outside the country. And technically and legally, if the contract doesn't speak to that or doesn't limit you, then you should be allowed to do so. Darren, anything on your end? Uh, yeah, no, I, th I think that's exactly what I thought when I when I read this as well as the the concern of the insurance company may be that oh if you're on a knee replacement waiting list and you're out of the country you may, you may miss that and and that's a risk i think the you know nancy would just have to be aware of especially if her you know policy doesn't contain any terms that that limits her geographically for travel what what i what i usually tell people who contact me or any of my clients is if you are going to travel and there's no geographic restriction you know the, the biggest thing to re make sure that you do if you're traveling for you know uh, you know because someone's died or or perhaps for you know Paul, uh, a reason like this is make sure you keep up with your treatments if you're been prescribed physio medication uh, massage something like that counseling you can do that online Physio, you can find that in different cities. You know, a lot of policies will have a, a term which says you have to make sure you undergo reasonable treatments and that you maintain reasonable treatments. Um, and so, if you're traveling, as long as you do that and there's no geographic restriction, then I, I say you're, you're you're probably in a in a really good spot. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of it for this one here. Guys, let's take one more short break. We've still got some minutes to go, so we'll try to get another email or two in uh, in that time. In the meantime, help at disabilityrights.ca. That's where we go to. And the number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. This is the Disability Law Show. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Hey, welcome back, Disability Law Show. Thanks for hanging in. Uh, thanks for you for contributing. If you've made that call to Darren or Savannah on the outside or sent an email in, and had it on air today. We uh, we appreciate it. Help at disabilityrights.ca and 1-855-821-5900. Use that number anytime. Okay, guys, Travis is up next. Says, uh, guys, my LTD disability company referred me to a rehab consultant for my disorder. Without my doctor's knowledge, they have placed a plan to return to work even though I won't be ready mentally. I'm being forced to do therapy even though I have my own treatment plan. Do I legally have to do this therapy? Thanks, no. says Travis. Wow, no. that's from the overstepping files. What do you think, guys? Yeah. No, 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 no. Travis, look, and again, I mean, I, I, I'm getting ahead of myself. I want to see the policy. I can't imagine a situation where there is an LTD policy that says that what the insurance company wants you to do by way of treatments supersedes whatever your treating doctors say that you need and what they're prescribing and recommending. I just, I can't see that. I've never seen a provision like that. And we've talked about this a lot, John, where insurance companies are allowed to send you for what's called an independent medical examination. I highlight the word independent because they're not independent, where they send you to be assessed, not treated, assessed by one of their doctors or an expert in some field. 
and uh, you have to go to those. Again, there are caveats to that. They can't send you to three psychologists, one after the other, because they don't like the opinion of the first two. But if they want you to be seen by a consultant or someone, generally you have to go, again, with some caveats. But when it comes to treatments, you know, I tell people, follow whatever your doctors are saying. They're the ones that have, you know, your interests at heart. They're the ones who are, it's in their interest to get you better. Now, you would think that for an insurance company, it would also be in their interest to get you better, but that's not their primary interest. They they definitely want you to get better. Let, let's, let's be clear on that. Insurance companies would love nothing more than to have you get back to normal because that means that you can go back to work and it means that they don't have to pay you if you go back to work, right? They want to limit what they have to pay you but in this case john what they've done is they've referred him to a rehab consultant without his doctor's knowledge so they haven't even uh, spoken with his doctor to see if that's something that's recommended you know to see if it's in conflict with any of the treatments he's currently getting etc in addition to that and to make matters worse now this is a bad insurer they tell him that they've placed him on a plan to return to work even though he's not going to be ready or he says he's not going to be ready mentally and it is simply unthinkable to me, but I see this time and time again, and I know Darren does too, where insurance companies say, we believe for this reason or another reason, maybe we've had somebody review your file, or maybe it's just the adjuster on their own accord, say, I believe that you are ready to go back to work. And you're thinking to yourself, what do you mean you believe? You're a doctor? <laughs> you're treating me? Who are you to believe? Who is this expert that you've retained to review my file? I have my own treating doctors. I have therapists. Everybody agrees with me that I'm not ready to go back to work. And so the question is, what can the insurance company do? Can they force you to get treatments somewhere? Can they force you back to work? The answer to both are no. They can't. All they can do is say that if you don't do X, we're going to do Y. If you don't comply, we're going to cut, you, uh, cut off your benefits. But the problem is that it's, it's, it's a really false choice. It's a false choice because... If they send you to treatments that are not approved by your doctor, you may get worse with those treatments, assuming those treatments are even treatments rather than just you know somebody paper you know stamping. Uh, so that's one thing. Number two, if they force you back to work prematurely, and I've seen this happen, you may crash, you may regress, you may get worse, especially if they're forcing you back to work or pressuring you back to work against medical advice. If your doctors are not, they haven't approved you to go back to work. And so what I tell people, and this is a general rule, follow what your doctors are saying. The first thing, the most important thing is your health. If your insurance company doesn't comply, if your insurance company refuses to listen to your doctors, if they refuse to listen to you, then give us a call, contact us. Now, Travis has done that here by way of an email. I'd like to connect with him to understand a bit more, to review the policy, to see any correspondence between him and the adjuster, to understand why the insurance company is pressuring him to go to this therapy and why they're saying they think he's ready to go back to work. But John, as a general rule, if people are disabled, if their doctors support them being off disability, if there is a reasonable treatment plan in place that the person is following, the person is doing the correct thing and the insurance company has no legal leg to stand on to force them to do otherwise or to cut them off. And we get involved in these cases and we pressure and we force insurance companies to do what is right. Unfortunately, when you don't have lawyers involved, oftentimes insurance companies bully these individuals. Uh, and these individuals are disabled. Remember, I mean, they're suffering. This individual here, Travis, you know, there's obviously issues here, mental health issues. So he, he's in a more vulnerable state. It's really unfair. But th again, that's where we come in because we can exert pressure back on the insurance company. 
Travis, that number that we just mentioned, I know obviously you got the email, one 821 5900 We'll try to get Ron's email in here quickly. Uh, Darren, I'll throw this one to you with the remaining time. Ron says, what does the change of definition mean? Will I automatically be cut off, or does my long-term disability company have to help me find a career? Do they possibly help with school? Thanks. All right. Thanks. So, so thanks, Ron, for the email. This is a very common question that that I've seen, and this is a this is a situation in a place where a lot of people do come to me saying, "Listen, my long term disability company, my insurer, has cut me off. Now they're talking about this change of definition. I don't understand. My disability hasn't changed. Why am I not getting paid anymore?" And 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 it's it's great. It's 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 perfectly reasonable to be confused by that and and like savannah's been you know hammering this this whole show and i think on, on all our shows this goes back to the policy in your in your insurance policy you will have a short term um, typically you have a short-term disability definition you will have long-term disability definitions which tell you when you get long-term disability typically typically for the first two years of your claim and it it, it always depends on the word of the policy wording of the policy but generally you, for the first two years, the question is whether or not you are disabled from working in your own profession. And if you are, you get your long-term disability insurance. You get your LTD payments. After those two years, there'll be wording in the policy which says you are disabled from now. Now you're disabled from working in any profession. And that's what the change of definition is. The definition for your disability turns from your own profession to any profession. And, and something to always understand about that is it, it doesn't mean any profession in the sense that you can't work as a telemarketer. What, what will typically happen in these denial letters is they'll say, listen, you had this job before, you made this income before, per the terms of the policy. You can now, we think you can, we, the insurance company, uh, you know, who aren't medical experts now think with your disability, you can work these jobs, which if you can work 30 hours or whatnot, you you can make similar income. And so we're going to cut you off. Um, you know, really what I tell people to do is the minute that happens, the minute that conversation starts to happen, contact us. It's always important to have your doctor looking at those documents as well and talk to your doctor and say, listen, do you think this is something I can do? Um, and and if your doctor does not support that, then definitely contact us right away, uh, because that that's an improper denial. That's an improper denial of your benefits, and and we can help you. We can hammer the insurance company to continue paying those benefits that you are owed. Final uh, final thoughts, uh, Savannah, before we go. No, I think Darren uh, said it right. If you have any questions or you know somebody who has any questions about long-term disability and need help with that, please contact us. It costs nothing to talk to any member of our team. Brilliant stuff, guys, and thank you as well for your emails and correspondence reaching out now that we are done. Again, one 821 5900 help at disabilityrights.ca. And for memos on LTD, really easy to uh, navigate and digest. It's not legal speak. It's English, plain English, ltdfaq.ca. We'll catch you next time on the Disability Law Show. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.